Stephen King. Each week I'll review one entry in the bibliography of Stephen King in the chronological order of publication. And if you are listening to this episode, then chances are you listened to the other episode that I released uh, simultaneously, um, Desperation slash Regulator style. Two episodes dropped the same day. Uh, one episode, the other one is just a simple review of Eyes of the Dragon. And if you are listening to this episode, this is a much more in-depth analysis of the connections between Eyes of the Dragon and the Dark Tower series. So if you have not read the Dark Tower series um, or have not finished the Dark Tower series and had started a couple of the earlier ones, I do not advise you to listen to this particular episode as I give away major spoilers for the entirety of the Dark Tower series. So if you continue, you continue um, at your own risk, knowing that there are spoilers galore. And I... Strongly recommend that you you go into the Dark Tower series as fresh as possible. So as much as I want viewers and listeners, uh, I'd rather have everyone be able to experience the Dark Tower um, clean and fresh of spoilers. So if you are here, I assume that you have journeyed and made yourself uh, uh, to the end of the Dark Tower and reached the Dark Tower. And so now we can talk about those connections. The biggest connection is clearly the fact that uh, Flag appears here, you know, um, and this is where I believe that the decision to make Flag, and when I say Flag, I mean Randall Flag and the Flag scene here, and Walter from the Dark Tower series, um, the same person comes from, right? Um, a decision that I don't believe is the wisest choice. If you look close enough, uh, I just don't think that the fact that they're the same character holds up under scrutiny, okay? Uh, and I talked about this at length in my um, second part of the Gunslinger review. Now, I was a I'm able to go into a little bit more detail here. Uh, in Drawing of the Three, Roland recounts a time when Flag came through Gilead with the characters from Eyes of a Dragon, Thomas and Dennis, hot on his heels. You know, this establishes that Flag and Martin are two separate characters. Now, granted, Martin has left Gilead at this time, but this goes back to something that I brought up in my second part of the Gunslinger review. If Martin, Flag, and Walter are all the same people, why bother assuming all these different identities at all? Their motivations all fluctuate. It just, it just seems like a lot of unnecessary work. You know, if the Martin Flag Walter character are all the same, why is it necessary to be Martin, then come in as Walter later on, whose role in Gilead is barely a footnote? And how can Martin be in Gilead while simultaneously existing in Delane for over 200 years? You know, it, it's just, it's reasons like this that always bothered me with the con with the identity reveal. You know, I mean, it's, to me, wouldn't it make more sense if Flag was revealed to be Martin's master? You know, I, I and wouldn't that have just, wouldn't it be a cleaner explanation? Um... I don't know. In Eyes of the Dragon, King knowingly winks at the audience when the narrator wonders where he wanders in between his visits. Um, 
to Delane. You know, this is the acknowledgement that this character slipped from Delane into the pages of the stand. You know, and retroactively, you can make the argument that it allows Flag to pose as Martin and Gilead. And that's fine and all, but the events of Eyes of the Dragon are occurring simultaneously with the events of um, the Gunslinger. Uh, or specifically, the Gunslinger's past. Now, it's clear that at this point, King was sure enough uh, to make the connection between the stand and Eyes of the Dragon, and later on, he decided that all of the mischievous uh, wizard characters would be one and the same. All this shows is that he didn't know where he was going when he was writing the Dark Tower series, and that's fine, and that's fine with me. Okay, I'm not someone who criticizes an author for making it up as they go along. It's not even an argument that I can take seriously, by the way. Making it up as you go along is basically the definition of storytelling. You know, some authors, though, have a vision for things. You know, King admittedly acknowledged that it was always difficult for him to step back into Midworld. You know, and early on, he had hinted that Roland wouldn't even live to reach the tower. You know, so that sort of ending suggests a redemption for Roland. You know, which has caught Tet uh, take up the mantle of his cause, one in which he doesn't make the decisions to sacrifice his loved ones. You know, if that ending fluctuated, then of course everything in between was going to be up for grabs. Now, I don't criticize King for not knowing when he sat down and wrote The Gunslinger when he was 19 that the wizard in the pages of that book would go on to be the antagonist of the thousand-plus page post-apocalyptic adventure story as well as be the adulterous right-hand man to the gunslinger's father and also be the villain in a little fantasy book he dedicated to his friend's children. That's insane to expect him to plot all of that out. That's not my issue. My issue is with consistency. And that's where I think that King falls apart a little bit if you look at it, you know, with a more scrutinous eye. You know, for instance, he suggests that this is the flag from the stand. And that's great. That works. There are certainly similarities. The tension that comes with trying to block your thoughts of him. People begin dreaming of him. He has a relationship with the wolves. Then, in Drawing of the Three, Roland mentions that flag rode through Gilead. Okay, that's cool. Now we know that Gilead and Delane exist in the same world. And then, in the Wastelands... Uh, Flag shows up with the grave proclamation that Roland must not reach the tower. This is getting awesome. Nothing inconsistent yet. And then in Wizard and Glass, Flag reveals himself to be Walter and Martin. And that doesn't make sense to me. First, in the original Gunslinger, Walter references Martin as being a lesser wizard, a separate person. You know, it's retroactively fixed in the re-release, but you can't retroactively change my reading experience when I began working through the inconsistencies upon the book's original releases. Then, when you take into account that Flag, under the name Flag, like the wizard and the walking dude, rode through Gilead with Dennis and Thomas hot on his heels, that's where it's clear that it doesn't all add up. How could Flag have existed in Delane for so long while simultaneously existing in Gilead? I know that Martin technically isn't in Gilead at that time, but he had been there just before Flag came through. So the same character is now existing at two places at once. And look, I understand if I'm going to suspend my disbelief that this character can hop through the multiverse without issue, and the same character can probably exist in two places at once. But I just don't see him being that powerful. He always seems to have a level of vulnerability where he's existing at any given time, where retreat is a fate almost worse than death. And when Flag disappears at the end of both this and the stand, I get the feeling that's the absolute last resort. And yet, if he was able to exist in multiple places at once, then what's the big deal? And then, of course, we have the motivations of the character. Martin wants to break Roland before he begins his quest. Walter challenges him during it. Flag announces he cannot reach the tower 
Yet when he has the opportunity to stop him during Wizard and Glass, he doesn't. And in the past, Walter is sowing the seeds of rebellion through the baronies. So where do the machinations of Flag fit in? Where he likes to stay in a small kingdom and tinker with local politics. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just not saying that it, it fits neatly. There are inconsistencies within his abilities as well. You know, in the stand, he's able to shapeshift into a crow. And when through the keyhole, Merlin's a shapeshifter. So shapeshifting exists, yet it's ruled out as a possibility here in Eyes of the Dragon. Then again, then again, maybe I'm just not looking at this the right way. Because my literal, linear, teenage self wanted a clear-cut answer so many years ago. Saying all of this and thinking about it more and more, I, it does make sense, regardless of everything I've just said. So I don't know. I don't know. If, I mean, I guess for a being who has amassed so much dark power to ascend upwards on different levels of the tower to appear contradictory in nature, it's like he's the embodiment of quantum mechanics. Maybe despite everything I just said, I'm finally coming to terms with the, the way it is after all these years, all these centuries. When it comes to the Dark Tower saga, and I'll get into this much, much more uh, when I come close to reaching a final book, it's, it's really difficult for me to separate the critic from the fan. So much of my experience with the Dark Tower, specifically the hours spent wondering and imagining the final showdown between Flag and Roland, is marred by the subversive ending that King ultimately gave us. Now, I'm able to read most of these works objectively, but with the Dark Tower, it's really hard to reconcile what was given to me with what I wanted. And that's not fair to the artist. What I wanted was a comic book-styled explanation of Randall Flagg, and I wasn't given one, and in retrospect, it's probably better that way. Instead, it's up to us to reconcile how these facets of the same character fit in with one another. Flagg's original introduction to Stan implies that in the vacuum of civilization brought about by the superflu, that the concept of evil becomes sentient. Flag spends his time wandering around the countryside of forts of nature, now given flesh and blood. He doesn't come across as all-knowing or all-powerful. He doesn't know where he came from, and his greatest power is his rhetoric. I saw this as a contradiction to the characteristics of the other incarnations of this character, but when you look at it, even he doesn't even know what to make of himself. From a meta standpoint, that kind of works. That in the millennia of amassing power and wrecking havoc, losing all of his humanity in the process... The character's conscious mind is a fleeting thing. He is now an it, a concept of the villain that goes where it needs to, wherever it feels it can bring about ruin and chaos in order to feed on the despair that comes from it, and places an avatar to do its bidding, whether that avatar be Randall Flagg, Richard Fannin, Walter O'Dim, or Martin Broadcloak. The fact that each facet may at times not be aware of the others suddenly makes sense. Are facets of the same diamond aware of the other facets? Does it really matter? It's still the same diamond. If this character is the embodiment of chaos, it makes sense that the characterations fluctuate and others don't fit at times. Chaos isn't supposed to fit. Wow. Hey, uh, hey everybody, uh, this, this is a big moment for me. <laughs> I kinda just came to terms with something that has bothered me uh, for for a long, long time. So you, whether you know it or not, guys, you just experienced a moment. Hmm. 
Yeah, that's that's cool. Anyway, uh, other connections to the Dark Tower actually take us on a bit of a detour uh, to Castle Rock. Castle Rock, Maine, where devilish imp Leland Gaunt sets up a little store named Needful Things. I can't say for sure, but I'm pretty sure that Leland referred to the land of Garland, where Flag was rumored to have hailed from, and I'm certain that he references the Plains of Leng, which is where Flag had gotten his spell book, which was uh, written by a man named uh, Al... I can never pronounce it. Um, Al Hazred, uh, who in the works of H.P. Lovecraft is the author of the Necronomicon, uh, which is basically saying that the book that that flag is reading is the Necronomicon, which is pretty cool. But, um, but yeah, I just I like that there is a connection here to Needful Things, which is a novel that I cannot wait to get to. The Plains of Lang, by the way, are also mentioned in Joe Hill's Lock and Key series, but I'm not going to say how or why because I don't really want to spoil anything. Um, now keep in mind that it's only later that King establishes that Delane is located within Inworld. Uh, thereby taking place in the same world as the Gunslingers, which, if you look closely, doesn't entirely match up. The language of in-world is so specific. Uh, there are rituals, customs, and political systems, and all of that is not found within this story, which is based entirely on a very traditional European style of fantasy. It's a small point, and you can argue that in-world is so large and ever-expanding and that the baronies run with their own identities, with the Gunslingers themselves as the connective tissue. Um, so actually, like I just said with Flag uh, a couple minutes ago, the, the same thing just happened here. I remember caring so much more about this, and now the variety makes for a richer world experience. So uh, what I just said, I, I guess never mind. Um, on page 66, King writes of Peter. In him, they saw the coming of the white, that ancient, resilient, yet humble force that has redeemed humankind again and again and again. Uh, that's awesome, uh, because the white is the representation of Gan, the creator. And this was first mentioned, I believe, in the Talisman. Now, it will be referenced much more heavily in the later Dark Tower novels. You know, the white, for all we know, could have been the magic that the losers felt in it. Because, and I forgot to discuss this um, in the three episodes uh, on, on it, um, but the higher force that Bill senses is larger than a turtle and the spider, and, and, and that's Gon, the creator. And if Gon is supporting the losers, then it makes sense that what they were feeling was the white. Also, I'm not sure that stated explicitly in Needful Things, but at the conclusion of that book, Ellen Pangborn is able to defeat Leland Gaunt. Spoiler alert! With magic, literal magic, as his shadow puppets come to life and uh, defeat the Soul Stealer. The force that I'm sure surges through him at that moment, whether it's referred to this way or not, is the white. It's gotta be. Um... You know, and then on page 71, the narrator discusses a desert which is described as a huge poison waste that lay even beyond Garland and was a land known unknown in the lane. Gren could be approached only on a day when the wind was blowing the other way because a single breath of the fumes which came from the desert of Gren would cause death, which to me sounds remarkably like the wastelands. And then lastly, we have uh, mention of Rhiannon, the Dark Witch of the Coos, who is mentioned as a boogeyman in the Kingdom of Delane. Now, as you all know, Rhea the Coos, her sister, 
will uh, pop up in Wizard and Glass, the fourth book of the Dark Tower series. So that's what we have in terms of connections to the Dark Tower series. Um, really, this is Flag's show, so I was going to talk mostly about Flag. Um, all right, everyone. So that is all that I have for this week. Uh, so if you have not done so already, um, you know, subscribe on iTunes and feel free to drop me a line at stephenkingcast at yahoo.com. And next week, stick around for the classic novel that also serves as a writer's worst nightmare. And that, of course, is Misery. So have a great week, everybody. And I will see you here, same King time, same King channel, Stephen Kingcast. Well, you wonder why I always dress in black Why you never see bright colors on my back And why does my appearance seem to have a somber tone Well, there's a reason